Good morning to all of you who are joining us from all over the world. It's uh, fascinating for me to sit here in my home during Corona and, and imagine that there are people listening who are thousands and thousands of miles away. But uh, I, I appreciate that and I thank you for your interest in the, the Gita. So today we're going to be talking about um, verse chapter 6, verse 24, 25, and 26 in this. So verse 24 says, remember, chapter 6 is about meditation, dhyan, and how to get to this uh, point where we meditate, um, something that is very, very, very difficult. So verse 24 says, abandoning without reserve all desires born of sankalpa. Now, this word is an important word because it keeps coming up. Abandoning without reserve all desires born of sankalpa, which could mean thought or obsessions or desires or unrelenting, constant thinking about some desire, and then completely restraining the group of senses from all quarters by the mind. So what this is referring to is that we have this sankalpa or thought or obsession for something or the other. Each one of us in our lifetimes has one or two or three desires that are the most um, pressing for each one of us. Lou, are you there? Yes, I am. Sorry, my apologies. I, I, <laughs> I did not acknowledge this like I normally do. Um, how are you? I'm very good, and I, I just want to echo your thoughts earlier that we do these uh, podcasts and we send them out and we start to get responses from people all over the world, and it's just it's really a fascinating process to be able to talk to people and and have these interactions through this. It's it's a it's a sign of our times, but it's it's a good sign, I think. Yeah, and you've probably noticed that the messages that are coming through uh, from Australia mm -hmm. or uh, Germany, Switzerland, UK, uh, the Middle East, you know, just so fascinating that, that one episode that we, you and I do here in Massachusetts uh, reaches people from all over this place and I'm, we're making new quote-unquote friends. Yeah. Anyway, we were talking about it. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. And we're really grateful that, for that, for hearing new voices, making new friends, and and getting the message out. It's it, one of the best things about technology is we can talk to people all over the world. Yes, yes. So we were saying about these, each one of us has some desires, some thoughts, something that that we find. If you go through your whole life, you'll see that it's the same thoughts that keep coming back again and again and again. If you were to write down every thought, and at the end of so many years of your life, you were to look through the book that you wrote these things, you'd see that the same thought was repeated probably 80% of the time. And then right. the remaining 20% is other thoughts. But it's basically because you do not know your Atman. Your mind and your Atman are separate. You, the rest of you, and the Atman is separate. Because of that, your mind feels this vacuum or void and it's not happy. So it keeps searching. And instead of searching to go towards the Atman, it looks to the outside, feeling that there are desires that it has, that if it were to meet those desires, uh, it would get happiness. Now, the beauty is that we don't learn from our mistakes. We, starting from an early age, we say, if only I could get that green bike, just like my friend has. If I had a bike like that, I would be so happy. 
Then you get the green bike. And within a very short period of time, you no longer crave the green bike. You're craving something else. And if you look through your life, you'll see that you've had many, many such desires. And you always thought, if I only got this, then I'd be happy. If I only could get my son married, my daughter married, my, my, if I got my job, if I got my promotion, I'd be happy. And that doesn't happen. And we don't recognize that even if all your desires were fulfilled, that you'd still be unhappy because there's a vacuum there, a void there, and you are not one with the Atman. So you will continue to be unhappy, unfortunately, in this lifetime and future lifetimes. Mm -hmm. When we get to the end of 28, when you get to the end of 28, verse 28, uh, I'm going to talk to you about a, an analogy, a story that is written in the, uh, in the scriptures that I love, which explains some of this. So I, I'll, I'll try and make sure that I remember at that time. But the desires coming from the body are all sensual desires. You want to see things, you want to hear things, you want to smell things, all desires of the five senses. When you are focused on the mind, the desires are mainly about emotions, uh, emotional attachments to people that you care about, love, uh, have love for, etc. Desires of the intellect are those of fame, reputation, power, uh, uh, good uh, praise to yourself, etc. And each one of us are born with one, two, or three main desires. You might have 900 other desires, but the things that come forward are these one, two, three ones. And they sort of circulate from lifetime to lifetime. Each lifetime, a different desire, vasna, may come to the forefront. And what this verse is saying is that one needs to drop all these desires coming, not where did they come from? You bring them on yourself. Mm -hmm. The vasnas come from your causal body which uh, is there when you, that's why you're born. You're born because you have desires. Your vasanas are not fulfilled. So you come to this world again, hoping that this time you'll fulfill your desires. So they're there, they're manifest, they're within you, unmanifest, and then they become manifest through thought. So these desires are, arise from your mind because of thought, which is sankalpa, and because you imagine. Now, you want something, and you imagine it. You say, oh, if I could only, if this could happen, that would happen. This is how I would imagine the pleasure to be coming to me. And that furthers, fuels the fire of your desire. So the more you imagine. It takes technique and many years to be able to push this imagination aside so that you don't keep fueling these desires. In fact, what you need to do is to look at the present moment. And you say to yourself, I don't want anything else new. When you're doing your thoughts or your meditation or sitting down and trying to practice getting your mind on to focus, you say, I don't want anything else new. Control all the senses little by little. Tell the ears, eyes, nose that you don't want to hear anything from them. Um, the mind also becomes steady. And slowly by slowly, the mind, with the help of the intellect, focuses on the self. So... It's, it's easy, but not easy. And what we need to analogize this by is a thought of the 
that you're very, very sleepy. It does happens to all of us that we're sort of lying down watching TV and you start to feel very sleepy. And if you close your eyes at that moment, you'd fall fast asleep. But instead you say, I'm going to get up, going to go to the, my bed. And in the process of doing that, you say, let me stop at the refrigerator, get something. Yeah. Or let me just read a few more pages of this that I was needed to do for work tomorrow. Or let me look at my cell phone or talk to my spouse or my partner. When you do that, the sleep tends to go away. And it's the same sort of thing with meditation. When you're sitting down to focus on something, one thought or the other will come and bother you. And if you indulge in that thought, it will keep um, making it worse. So what exactly is sankalpa? Each one of us has an obsession, a thought, uh, uh, something that is constantly there within, throughout. And each one of you, we should look at our thoughts and say, which one is it where my weakness is, my personal weakness? It could be from any one of the senses, the five senses, or it could be from your mind or from your intellect. And that would help you in recognizing where your weaknesses are. Verse 25 says, little by little, sane sane, let him withdraw by the intellect being held firm, having established the mind in the self, let him not think of anything else. So these next few verses show that meditation reveals the Atman in one and all. Remember that you cannot force the mind. The mind is thousands and thousands of years old. It goes through many lives and each time it learns and it's stored and it comes back. You may be surprised, but your mind has things from previous lifetimes that you don't even realize. It's very, very powerful. Going to the gym, for instance, you recognize that when you go to the gym, you, if you want to get stronger, you pick up a weight and let's say it's a 20 pound weight and you're doing bicep curls with it. After a while, in the beginning, it's tough. You are hurt and your biceps hurt. After a while, it becomes easy. And if you keep at that 20 pound, your progress is not going to be great, either for strength or for muscle size or power. But you need to increase it, give yourself a little bit more weight, not so much that it causes you pain or discomfort, but also not stay static or steady at the 20 pound weight. So it's the same thing with um, the mind. You cannot do it suddenly. It has to be little by little, shane shane. It has to be very gradual. You cannot force the mind. The mind is so powerful and so many, so old that you have to get knowledge into it through what you're doing now. And as you get to be aware of what the knowledge is, a little by little, you have to bring it away from its desires. You have to withdraw your mind from its preoccupation with the world and its sankalpas and direct it with the help of the intellect onto the higher. And slowly as your knowledge grows, you will be able to do that and you will be successful. Um, so in the process of that, your sankalpa doesn't go away. It will not go away. It'll be there within you. So um, Gautam Jain gave an example of if you're a trader, you're a merchant, and you go into the Himalayas to meditate, pretty soon, he says, you'll have a tea stall there selling tea 
or garments yeah. and you you know himalayan traders or whatever because it's your sankalpa you cannot get away from that and even whatever you do that modification of that sankalpa will cause you to use that so if you're a merchant for instance all he's saying is use your sankalpa modify it to the point that it's benefiting others so if you're a trader you do your trade but to the benefit of others i i i have a few examples recently i found that i went to some merchants to buy some things or have them do some service for me and i was pleasantly surprised that they were so honest and ethical and did not seem to rip me off right. to try to get me to spend more money which most people would do and i rewarded them because even though i didn't feel i wanted it i just wanted to spend money to get it to them so that and i told them that what they were doing was so refreshing so if if you if you're a, a trader minded person and you want to just bargain and take then use your skills to the benefit of others instead of saying okay i'm going to keep raising my prices come to a point where you say this is what's comfortable for me and this is it don't need to negotiate bring it down or higher right uh, if you're a physician help people for the sake of helping people not for how much money you can get from each visit um so whatever your vasanas are stay in that business don't leave it because you'll keep obsessing about your vasanas if you leave that business instead while you're in your business do your business convert it from selfish to unselfish so um withdraw your mind from its preoccupation with the world apply yourself so talking of the trader recognize that krishna told arjuna you're a fighter you're a warrior i cannot tell you to sit down with a book and study right. i cannot tell you to uh do merchantry uh, trading you're a fighter you're a warrior you have to fight pick up your weapons and start to fight so that's basically what he was also referring to verse 26 by whatever cause the unsteady mind wanders away restrain the mind from that cause and bring it under control so you remember we talked about in an earlier verse the mind is compared to a monkey the monkey is chanchala and asthira which means that the monkey jumps from one place to another that's asthira unsteady jumping from one branch to the next can't sit still and when you force him to sit still while he's sitting in one place he's moving non-stop so the techniques are many for meditation one of the techniques is to use a japa or a mantra and keep saying a word over and over again or a sound or a phrase and let the intellect fix on that sound mm-hmm. herbert benson who is the uh, from harvard mind body institute said recently it's a long story about herbert benson for those of you who don't know he was a, he is a physician at harvard and he said he saw some photograph in the new york times of yogis in washington dc um doing amazing things with their body and he said i can't believe it he said put an ad in the newspaper said if you can come here and show me what you can do and i believe it i will convert myself to practicing yoga and meditation hmm. he had a whole bunch of people did you know this lu no i haven't heard the story yeah he's right here in boston 
mm-hmm. Mind Body Institute of Harvard. So these yogis came to him, white American yogis, and sat themselves down. They showed him how they could, with meditation and yoga, manipulate different things in their body, blood pressure, stuff like that. He became a convert. And he went to Harvard and actually started this Mind Body Institute. And he shows how many things we can change in terms of our heart attacks, blood pressure, uh, peace of mind, all kinds of things. But one of the things he talks about is how to meditate. And he says that the Indians uh, using the technique of mantras and sound repetition, sound repetition constantly helps you to take your thoughts away from the unwanted and fixate on one place. So what that does is the intellect focuses on the mantra. And every time the mantra stops, there's silence. And the intellect is basically saying, well, what happened? Where's the?" So the mind tends to, in spite of that, wonder. But the help of the japa allows your intellect to control your mind a little better. That's one technique. There's many, many others. So you, your intellect must hold the mind and drag it away from the thoughts and onto the mantra. So we tend to use a lot of time to study or read or work, something that might take us with proper concentration and meditation. Your mind gets stronger and your mind doesn't wander, and your intellect gets stronger and your mind doesn't wander, and it might take you only 45 minutes to do something. Right. which at the current time takes you two hours. So what ha- the benefit also of studying this is to make your mind laser sharp to be able to do in a much shorter period of time what takes you much longer to do. So Bhagwan Raman Maharshi talks about mind and thoughts. And he says that there are two kinds of thoughts. One thought is, I thought, which is more subjective. And the second kind of thought is the thought, which is more objective. So we have to program the mind and educate the mind away from I, 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 and the thought, the thought, the thought. So it's attracted, the mind is attracted to certain thoughts or certain objects, either out of habit. Now, this is important. Why is the mind going to different places? Because of number one, habit. It's Mm. habituated because over the years you've taught it when you see if you're a money-oriented person, anything to do with money by habit keeps going there or because of attraction, because it's attracted to something. So keep bringing it back again and again. It takes programming and education and it may take years, just like going to the gym. But this knowledge, I promise you, friends, will make it so much easier. As you grow spiritually, as you get this knowledge, there's nothing to be done other than to listen or read and get this knowledge. It's free. Your your ancestors have left it here for you. There are people like me who are just the mailman, the postman, bringing you this knowledge that your ancestors have left for you. And it's for you. You don't have to give anything. You don't have to do anything just to listen and understand what is there. And you'll find that as you grow spiritually, your desires and anxiety reduce and you gain focus. Your mind wanders otherwise into the past and the future. You get anxious, you get depressed into the past and the future. But with practice, you become more productive. And if you're sitting there for two hours to read something normally, you'll only be able to do it in 45 minutes Hmm. or approximate. So the example that our murtis give us is that of 
the mouse or rat at the feet of Ganesh. Um, and that mouse and the the analogy, we've talking, talked about this before, if you go to earlier episodes, friends, where we talk about the mouse or mice or any rodent, squirrel, um, continually forgets what it already has acquired and achieved. And it keeps running out more and more and more. And the mouse that is at the feet of the self-realized person, Ganesh, has his hands folded together, asking for permission to eat a big plate of desserts that's next to it. So what that symbolizes is that you, your mind should be one to ask the permission of the intellect because it, before it focuses on the desires that it has. There was some wobbling and other kinds of uh, disturbance here, Lou. I don't know if you could hear it. I could hear it. No, we did. But, good. Yeah. Good. Okay. So that's the end of verse 26. And I thank you for listening, friends. And hopefully you'll join me for the next episode, which is episode 71, where one of my favorite, if not the favorite, uh, examples from the scriptures will be talked about. So thank you very much. And I hope you follow us. Thank you.